listening to a Sharesies podcast. It's the 8th of October. Welcome to Recap, made for you by Sharesies. Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create the most financially empowered generation. Release the financial disclaimer! Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. Hey Jose, it's Casual Friday. So my question is, who is our guest for today? Hi Alice, great question. So this week we're talking to Professor Tava Olson. Prof Olson is from the Auckland University Business School and is an expert in uh, supply chain management. Great. Well, it seems like uh, the global supply chain disruptions have touched almost every company we've been talking about lately. So I'm super keen uh, to hear about this chat. I know, right? So the prof is going to explain what's going on, how business is reacting, and even if we can tell if an end is in sight, we'll have that chat a bit later on in this episode. Awesome. Can't wait. Now, Alice, I remember you talking about the debt ceiling crisis in the US a wee while back. I've got an update on that, but could you please explain what the debt ceiling is? Yeah, so to explain it briefly, uh, the US government spends more money than it collects in taxes. So to make up for that shortfall, it borrows um, money. Now that most governments around the world, um, if they spend more than what they make in taxes, they do this. Um, But relatively unique to the US, they have something called the debt ceiling, which is a limit on how much um, the country can borrow. Yeah, and generally when it needs to be lifted or changed uh, so the government can borrow more, Congress generally votes on a bipartisan basis and it's really turned into a big, huge political stoush. Except for this time. Yeah, except for this time. So the difference uh, this time around is Democrats are trying to push through a whole bunch of spending proposals. You've probably seen this in the news. This amounts to something like $3 trillion American dollars in spending on infrastructure, education and climate change mitigation. And this has turned into quite a row with the Republicans who don't want to pass these spending bills. So in protest, they said they wouldn't vote to lift the debt ceiling, which the US is almost about to hit. And it was causing quite a bit of concern. Uh, The word catastrophic got uh, thrown around a bit in reporting on this uh, because if the argument continued and they didn't reach a solution, uh, the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen had warned that the US could run out of money and the US could have possibly defaulted on its national debt, which has never happened before. But you said you had an update, Jose. Yeah, it's a a small one, but it's worth noting. So lawmakers have reached a deal to extend the debt ceiling until early December. Uh, the The agreement avoids the 18th of October deadline, which is where the US would have defaulted. It's very much a temporary compromise and still needs Congress to vote in favor. So President Joe Biden can pass it into law. And then Republicans and Democrats will still need to negotiate again to avoid defaulting by the 3rd of December. So they've basically bought themselves more time. That is exactly right. All right, Jose, and it's that time again where we're getting a lot of earnings announcements from US companies. Now, I don't know about you, but it feels like we only just had the last round. (laughs) Uh, But 
that's because US uh, listed companies have to do this quarterly. So today I have some earnings to talk about. Alrighty, so what company are you going to be talking about today? Uh, Levi Strauss and Co, or as we probably better know them, Levi's like the co- clothing company that's behind Levi jeans and that. Now, I thought this was only appropriate uh, given it's Casual Friday and we get to wear jeans to work. Yeah, well, I don't know. Speak for yourself. I'm usually just uh, rocking like some. Well, now that I'm working from home, I'm usually rocking just some sort of toweling shorts. To be honest. Yeah, to be honest, I wear jeans to work almost every day. It's almost like Casual Friday every day at Shearsy. So <laughs> this, um, <laughs> this is a this is a really important insight, but we should get back on track. How did Levi's go in this quarter's earnings? Okay, so revenue came in at one point five billion US dollars. Uh, now this beat analyst expectations and was up forty one percent from this quarter last year. Uh, and then net income or earnings uh, that came in at one hundred ninety three million US dollars, which is up from twenty seven million uh, this time last year. Now it's probably worth mentioning that, of course, uh, this time last year, when these results were being compared to, many parts of the world would still have been uh, under lockdown restrictions. Yeah, good point. So, what else happened in the announcement? Well, also very relevant to today's recap, uh, Levi's touched on the supply chain challenges that, of course, have been disrupting the world. Now, in particular, some clothing and footwear manufacturers have been significantly impacted because they have a lot of their production in Vietnam. So, for example, Nike, which we uh, talked about a few weeks ago now on recap, they said they'd lost 10 weeks worth of production because of lockdown restrictions in Vietnam. Uh, Other brands like Lululemon have also been impacted. Mm. And how have the supply chain challenges affected Levi's? Well, Levi's CEO Chip Berg said that the company took roughly a $10 million hit to revenues because of the issue. Uh, But in an interview with CNBC, he said that Levi's supply chain is actually a source of competitive advantage to them. Now, what he means by that is that less than 4% of the company's production comes from Vietnam. They actually source their goods from 24 different countries. Mm, Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, so just like how in investing we talk about spreading your risk uh, through diversification, uh, Levi's has has sort of done the same thing with their manufacturing base. So uh, compared to some of the other apparel makers, uh, Levi's has fared relatively well. Did Did Levi's say how else the pandemic's been affecting business? Yeah, they said the pandemic has still been shutting stores around the world. Uh, They said about 10% of their stores were closed during the quarter, uh, most of which were in Asia, and about 4% were still shut. But there's been more online shopping. The company said that compared to this time last year, digital digital transactions were up about 10% and up about 76% from uh, this time two years ago. And as a slightly more interesting observation, uh, Levi's has noticed a bit of a change in fashion trends. Oh, really? Really? What are they finding? Yeah, so in the earnings call, Levi's CEO said, quote, uh, the casualization trends that have accelerated by the pandemic globally are here to stay and that the denim cycle we started pre-pandemic is continuing to drive growth, unquote. What he's basically saying is that consumers aren't going to be too quick to swap out of their comfy sweatpants post-lockdown and back into formal wear. So that's good news for you, Jose. You can keep wearing your towel-like pants. Um, Oh, great. But but more than that, uh, even before the pandemic, 
trends had started to shift away from skinny jeans into more baggy styles. Oh, really? Oh, no. Back to the 90s. Uh, skinny, jeans, skinny jeans came and went very quickly, didn't they? Well, I reckon it was about a decade or so, but you're right. The latest styles are kind of looping back to that wider leg baggy look from the 90s. Like, all you have to do is take a walk around Wellington Town to witness uh, this trend for yourself. <laughs> well, firstly, I don't mind so much. I do remember the 90s and rocking a lot, a huge baggy look at the time. I don't mind that so much uh, as long as they we avoid bringing back the baggy shirts. Okay. Uh, the, the baggy late business shirt look, that was not a good look. But secondly, um, mentioning walking down Wellington is a very cruel thing to say. You know I'm still in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Um, but maybe, you know, one, once you're out of lockdown, um, you'll you'll see it in action. Uh, well, anyway, back to Levi's. Uh, so they've said that they're particularly adding a lot of comfy, looser styles for all those people around the world who'll be refreshing their wardrobes uh, coming out of the pandemic. Great to hear. Thanks very much, Alice. As we've just heard, the worldwide supply chain crisis is almost everywhere you look. Yeah, so it's driving big uh, mega retailers like Walmart and Target to charter their own ships. It's causing car manufacturers to reduce production. And coupled with labour shortages, uh, it's made building homes much more expensive. So earlier today I had a chat with uh, Professor Tava Olson, who is Professor of Operations and Supply Chain Management at Auckland University's Business School. And uh, Tava is also the ad- Academic Director for the New Zealand Centre for Supply Chain Management. And I asked Tava, what is making it almost impossible to order a PlayStation 5? <music> Well, a lot of it's COVID related. So we've seen changes in uh, increased demand because of people's buying habits changing. We've seen decreased supply because of, you know, shutdowns, people unable to work, social distancing, reducing capacity. Um, And we've also seen an increase in variability and variability is always really bad for supply chains. And what do you mean by variability? Uh, I mean things that make the supply chain more lumpy. Um, and what happens in supply chains is that if something changes in terms of if you've got a decrease in supply or an increase in demand at one point, it ripples, we call it the bullwhip effect, into something much bigger as, you, as you're further away from that source of change. Right. And so what else is having to put in pressure on this? Like what's creating that lumpiness? We're definitely seeing things like, you know, the ships all queuing at the port of Los Angeles, partly because the truckers are not there to remove the containers. And, you know, some of that's due to illness and some of it's due to uh, just sort of the schedules have all got a bit uneven. Um, So previously, when things are all flowing nicely and organized and um, all your ducks are in a row, things just kind of flow through the supply chain. But now it's sort of, it's a bit more uneven, which means that something happening over here then backs up something happening over there. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I mean, I think if I think back to sort of the ever given situation in the Suez Canal, I remember thinking at the time, well, it seems like the whole global supply chain is perhaps a bit more fragile than I would have assumed. Is is, is that like a right, is that the kind of like the right assumption to make? 
Yes, so uh, we've been running lean supply chains for quite a while. So just in time, you would have heard about right, you know yeah. for decades now, right? So the way to keep costs down is to keep things lean. So you keep as little inventory as possible all the way along the supply chain. And that, again, works fine when everything is predictable and flowing nicely. But as soon as you have, you know, people stockpiling a particular product, it clears out your whole supply chain. Or you have, as you said, you know, the ever given getting stuck and then you've got, a, you know, things not flowing as they should. And again, clears out your supply chain. So we do have some quite fragile supply chains because up until now, so much of it has been about keeping costs down. Mm. And what's the kind of best way to combat that? Uh, I mean, I think we've seen some industries moving to like bring their like production closer. For example, we saw the likes of Costco actually charter ships to bring their products back in, into the country. What are other companies doing? Uh, so it's kind of the old buffer or suffer, and you can buffer <laughs> with inventory, you can buffer with time, or you can buffer with capacity. Um, any of those help, but all of them increase costs to some extent. It's definitely true we're seeing more onshoring in the U.S., I'm not sure how much that's going to translate to New Zealand because we still face issues of capacity and uh, capital, availability of capital, etc. Um, but we might see some. But what New Zealand retailers, etc., are doing are just ordering or earlier. So they've, you know, they know things are taking longer. So they are actually ordering more, ordering earlier, um, so that they don't run out of stuff. Mm. Has there been like any unforeseen like interesting effects? I remember reading like I think some auto dealerships uh, to come back to cars again um, in the US were actually like quite enjoying not having that much inventory. So you know it meant that they were basically every time they get you know stock in, it was going out the door because customers knew that you know they probably have to wait a lot longer to get the next one. Yeah, so we do have you know some increases in demand. Um, caused by shortages, right? So there are people doing stockpiling of, of retail goods, but also, yeah, if you're not sure that that car you want is going to be there, sure, rock up and, and buy it. So some of the increased demand has been things like Americans not spending money on movies and restaurants and shifting their spending into retail, but some of it has also been the shortage-driven people buying stuff mm. just in case. Are there any guesses when things get back to normal? Will they go back to normal as a big rethink kind of on the horizon? It's hard to know. I mean, I've, I've, I've written, I've read a lot of articles um, the, talking about the death of just in time and that, we're, you know, supply chains are going to have to be more resilient in the future. There's a lot of talk about climate change events also mm. affecting supply chains. So if we think about Hurricane Ida, that actually had a fairly big impact on US shipping. Um, so that may continue to affect things and therefore cause people to keep a bit more resilient supply chains. But it's hard for me to see people ignoring yeah. cost. Cost is always gonna be there as a, as a driver. Um, so, you know, eventually the manufacturers will react and put in the capacity that's needed. So the sort of shortages, I think, will end up going away. Um, but whether the fundamentals of the supply chains will go back to being as lean as they were or whether people will invest in them being a bit more resilient, having a bit more buffers sitting various places, um, I don't have that crystal ball. 
I don't know about you, Ellis, but I'm going to um, either put buffer or suffer on my tombstone or maybe make a shirt. <laughs> if you make a shirt, please get me one too. Um, but I particularly liked the explanation of the bull whip effect. Yeah. I actually saw this referenced um, in something A2 Milk. Um, was it A2 Milk or the Fonterra? Anyway, I saw it referenced the other day, and so it was really useful to see that explanation. Yeah, I think sort of uh, you know, the, the, a lumpy getting lumps is, it helps kind of picture in your brain about what's going on. It was good. It was a good chat. I enjoyed it. But that does mean we've run out of time. Uh, it's, it's the end of the week. Thank you so much for listening. We've had a great week. Uh, that was recap for the 8th of October. And as always, we would appreciate it if you gave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Hey, Te Rahina. See you next week. Ka kite ano.